Welcome in. It's the BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. Got my point guard, Cashmere Wright. My backup, Stretch Five, Justin Berg. We already did this damn podcast once, but something happened and we have to do it again. So we might be in fast forward mode a little bit as we go through this thing uh, the second time, but we wanted to get something up for everybody as Cincinnati advances past Kansas State last night, 75 61. They move on to 9.40 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday to take on the UCLA Bruins. 2.30 win teams going at it. We will start with a little bit of talk about the game last night against Kansas State, a game that Cincinnati controlled from very early on. Kansas State made a couple of runs at the Bearcats, but Cincinnati was quickly able to answer those runs. And, gentlemen, that's... Something we have talked about all year, when the opponent goes on a run, Cincinnati during the regular season, what is going on? You hear that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I didn't hear it. What was it? I don't know. Something. So. Oh, Berg can't hear it, so it must be Berg. Yeah, it's probably okay. Berg. All right. His, his was the one that was kind of blinking, so it was something with Berg. What are you doing over there? Um Doing nothing. When Cincinnati <laughs> has played teams that made a run, they've allowed those runs to get out of hand and flip the game. That did not happen against Kansas State. They cut it to six a couple times, once in the first half, once in the second half. As soon as they did, Cincinnati answered. Um, really, pretty much everybody that contri- played well, um, that saw significant minutes, and Cash, your boy showed up. Senior, senior big senior point guard, Troy Copain. 23 points, and uh, we have said, long said he's got to be the catalyst for this team to make a run in March. He showed up in Sacramento and put this team on his back. Exactly, and and more importantly, uh, what we talked about earlier, what we fast forward about, they had three, only only 11 attempts at the three-point line, so that said that they were attacking. And he was leading the charge, and which was more importantly for me, you know, I, I love this team when they actually play towards the rim and don't take three-point shots and don't settle so much. You know, you have a, a a team full of athletic people, and you don't need them to be taking jump shots all day. I don't think they're effective that way. And when they play the way they played against Kansas State, there's not too many people that can, can stay on the floor with them. And once we start to make shots, you can tell that they believe and their confidence was that Kansas State didn't deserve to be on the floor with them. Berg, they did a great job exploiting matchups last night. When they saw something, they isolated it. They attacked it. They didn't settle at all last night. It was a very impressive offensive performance from the Bearcats. Right, and and Kansas State head coach Bruce Weber after the game was remarking that the Bearcats just got the ball where they wanted to all night, and especially early on getting their best player, Wesley Owundu, in foul trouble. And it really – and so even when he was on the floor with those fouls, he couldn't really be as aggressive as he wanted to be on the defensive end. So UC saw that, and whoever was, whoever he was matched up against, they just went right at him. And then they also tried to go right at Dean Wade a little bit as well, the um, the six ten sophomore. So it just it, it and and which we'll which we'll get into real quick is what what Terry Nelson talked about after the game was that you know when Cumberland's on the floor and Copain is playing like that, you have five legit guys that can get you a bucket, go to players. And so 
basically it's like whoever you want to put your weakest defender on or your guy in foul trouble, the Bearcats can spread it out, set it up the way they want to, and go right at them. And so, you know, it wasn't a huge up-and-down type of game last night, but it was just UC controlled and did what they wanted to do from the start and all the way to the end. And like you said, it wasn't really in question for, for much of the game. That was a top 25 defense. And Cincinnati shot 62% from the floor, their second best ever in the NCAA tournament. They shot 50% from, just under 50% from three, five of 11, uh, like Cash talked about. Um, they got to the free throw line 22 times. They, you know, and, and Gary and Kyle were very good around the rim. They put a lot of pressure on the Kansas State defense, especially early when they tried to send double teams. They passed out of double teams for dunks and layups. Um, the unsung hero for me in that game, people will look and say, only nine points. Uh, what happened to Jacob Evans? I thought Jacob Evans played phenomenally yesterday, last night. Uh, five assists, three block shots, three steals. He really, really dug in and, and was the uh, heart and soul of what Cincinnati was trying to do. And you had to respect that Cash, when he made a mistake here and there, he went back and blocked the shot to erase the mistake and, and showed off that deceptive 44-inch vertical as if you can have a deceptive 44-inch vertical. You're right about that. But his is deceptive because he don't show it off often. Like I, like I said, we, we was, uh, I was in a bar watching it. And the person next to me, I looked at him, and I was like, would you believe me if, if I told you that guy got a 44-inch vertical? He was like, nah, don't look like it. And then he went to block a shot. He was like, okay, now I see it. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, play like that all the time. But once he gets that mold, like, he, he's a great player, you know, with that type of athleticism, with that type of scoring ability, you know. He, he don't have to actually score the basketball like the expected game because he, he just can do so much. And, you know, and all that makes so, you know, it just makes the team so much better to have that type of player along with the, the Cows and, and the Garys and, and, and Cumberland when he's in the game and Troy when he's playing the way he's playing. Cash, I, I don't understand how you have a deceptive 44-inch vertical. I Like, when you saw, like, Darnell Wilkes, you knew he was bouncy. Like, Shaq Thomas, you knew he was bouncy. Guys that could really get off the floor – it's always evident that they're super springy and super athletic, but is it because he just he doesn't show it off much, or what is it about it that that this is a guy with a 44-inch vertical that if you watch him play three games, you maybe see three examples where you go, oh, there it is. See, but uh, most people look at like the the, the highlight dunks and. Uh... and stuff like that. He doesn't do all those type of things in games, so people aren't going to pay attention to it. You know, when, when you saw Shaq, most people saw Shaq dunk and Darnell dunk all the time. So, you, you know, you, you can see it clearly. With him, he, he don't really show it off that much. You know, he goes in, he does a regular two-hand dunk, he catches the alley, it's, right, it's normal. He, he He's not a show-off type of guy. He, he gets the job done. And in that process, you don't really see the, the whole, you know, the whole package of things because he's not going to try to dunk on nobody. You know, he hasn't reached that point yet. Berg would like him to reach that point. Wouldn't you? Of course I would. But to reach that point. He's, I can't he, wait till he gets there. Well, he, yeah, he put a lot of work in the summer to get that lower body, so he said he could, he could gather, go up two feet, finish strong. Now, something he did also last night, part of being the unsung hero, was drawing the third foul on a one-do in the first half. Yep. Then, in the second half, he took him twice off the bounce from the top of the key, once a little spin move in the lane, 
and finish. And then and another one, a little like kind of leaner from the right side, banked it in. And so, um, although he only had the nine, you know, they were all important. And then he filled the stat sheet in the other categories. And, and something we actually didn't talk about um, in the first podcast was um, what something else Larry Davis said after the game was that the defensive scouting report was actually to slow down Stokes, the guy who hit five threes uh, against Wake Forest, and then DJ Johnson, the big guy who I thought that was going to be a problem um, in the scouting report that we did on Tuesday. So they, they pretty much bottled both of those guys up, and so Kansas State just didn't have enough firepower, especially with a one-do, you know, not playing his full minutes. So it was they executed the scouting report on both ends of the floor, and there you have a 14-point victory. Cash, I have a question. Did you did you feel like going into games that you guys had an advantage because your coaching staff was so good at doing scouting reports and getting the team ready? Because one thing I love about this staff, they really know how to to break down an opponent and find what their weaknesses are and and, and get you guys ready for what you're going to be facing. Now, executing it easier said than done at times, but at least to me, it feels like there's there's a decided advantage going into games 90% of the time that your staff is going to have you guys completely ready for what you're going to see from the opponent. Right. I mean, it, it means so much. But not, not on the night. Like, people misconstrue sometimes the meaning of that. Like, I think what, what Coach Cronin does on defense so much uh, better than a lot of people is he communicates it to you in a, in a way that you can understand it. You know, a lot of people can try to teach defense People understand what they mean, but you know his defensive schemes is simple. You know they're kind of simple once you once you really go to thinking about you know what he wants to do and their plan is always you know we look if you look at things you can always know the sec the first and the second score of the team is going to have the hardest time to score against. More, more than not, you're going to, your third or your fourth option is going to have to beat us. Because, you know, he, he gears his defense towards stopping how you flow your offense or stopping a certain play. And you just know as players on that team that, you know, if you do exactly what the starting point says, it, it's going to be right there. And, you know what I mean? The plays don't change, and, they, and we know every play. We know everything that they're trying to do. So if you just do, like I say, uh, like I always say when I write, you know, just, just play your role. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's get on to the business at hand. It was an impress. <laughs> it was a business-like win. It was an impressive win. I, I can't remember the last time UC played in an NCAA tournament game that I never really felt stressed that there was a chance that they could lose the game. Uh, and and like I said, there were two small instances where it's like, all right, well, here's the run, and, and UC answered back. Especially in the second half, they they get two turnovers. They cut an 11 point. Well. The sequence was Gary misses a dunk, tries to dunk on a one-deuce head. Gary misses a dunk, and then they get the rebound, turn it over, leads to a three, come down, turn it over, lay up, and the lead is cut to six, and you feel like here they come. And then Cincinnati calls timeout, scores six straight points, pushes it back to 12, and it was never in doubt from there. So uh, a great Didn't job. Didn't Cumberland – didn't Cumberland get a bucket right there to put it back up to eight? Yeah, like Cumberland, a little lean, like yeah. a little off two foot jump stop leaner in the lane. Yeah, it was a that's flo- what it was. Floater from like thirteen feet. <laughs> He's awesome. Because I, I I said it was a big floater, and uh, somebody said that sounds like a good nickname for him, big floater. 
I said, I think they'll probably, they'll probably stick with Teddy. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, go ahead. Um, but they, they took care of business. They, they didn't feel like they really exerted a ton of effort in doing so. Um, they, they played right to the scouting report, did exactly what they needed to do, took care of Kansas State, and now it's on to UCLA, a team that I, I mean, I thought you got a good look against Kent State at why their defense isn't that highly ranked. Yeah, they were able to pull away in the final seven or eight minutes, but for 30 minutes, I thought offensively Kent State really got whatever they wanted attacking uh, what UCLA was doing on the defensive end. Would you agree, Berg? Yeah, and you know what else? I think Kent State, I'm pretty sure, and I, I should probably check just to make sure, but uh, Kent State is 157th in offense on Ken Palm, and they were able to score 80 points on UCLA. The Bearcats, I believe, are 33rd in Ken Palm, so that bodes well. But, yeah, it, it not a lot of resistance on the UCLA side uh, defensively, as we know. They They try to mix in a little zone at times and think they can slow you down, but you just don't really see them communicating, sitting down in garden, pressuring. They don't force many turnovers at all. I think they're really far down in turnover forcing. So they kind of just let you do what you want to do and just hope you miss the, and you know hope, hope you miss the outside shots. It seems like that's kind of what their strategy is. It'll be interesting, uh, Cash. We had a long discussion about this on the first attempt at a podcast. On number two, we'll try it again. Uh, tempo is going to be very interesting in this game. UCLA wants to play extra, extra, extra fast. Uh, Cincinnati wants to play somewhere in the middle to the lower end of that scale. Um, I don't think you're really able to slow UCLA down to a game where you're going to keep them in the 60s. So I think Cincinnati has to find a happy medium here where they're slowing down UCLA enough to make them have to play in the half court more and have to make them uncomfortable but you're not going to be able to get this game to a grind. And if you try to do that offensively, really I think you're limiting yourself because they're going to get their points and you're limiting your opportunities to do so in the process. Right. I, I, you know, it all goes back to if we control tempo and, and, and we're able to make shots at the beginning of the game, then we can control it. But if, <laughs> but if we're missing shots, excuse me, but if we're missing shots at the beginning of the game and we're trying to control the pace and, and make it slow. And, you know, like, like we talked about earlier, it's, it gets hard because, you know, a, a slowdown game in the way how Cincinnati wants to play, you know, a seven to, you know, a six to eight point swing means a lot in those type of games. And with the firepower and the offense that, you know, UCLA brings, you know, that that's likely to happen. Yeah, they're so, going to get spurts. You, know, you don't, you don't, right. So you don't want to, you don't want to actually try to slow the game down so much where we actually get out of rhythm. We want to make sure we attack them, but we want to be smart about it. You want to not turn the ball over, not actually feed their, you know, see what they're trying to do, but make sure that we get points and every time we get opportunity and, and take our time when we do it and, and just execute plays, execute everything that we got to do. Berg, Cash, you, you, Cash, you talked about just a few minutes ago being prepared with the scattering report to stop the number one and number two option. Well, I think UCLA has uh, six number one and number two options pretty much. They have six players in double figures, and uh, they've got four really tough perimeter players and a power forward who I think is the best player in the country in TJ Leaf, and then a center who really likes that 12 to 15 footer quite a bit. So 
there's a lot to go into a scouting report against a team like this. So is it is it more about picking a couple guys to shut down, or is it more about confusing them with changing defenses and just trying to make them think a little bit more when they bring the ball up the floor? I think you want to initial from initial way you want to you want to confuse them as much as you can. So if you can switch it up sometimes, you know, just to get you know one possession, I get two possessions off for them, where they don't understand it, they don't see what's going on. You know, that's four possessions in a game, or six possessions depends on how many times you change it. That you know you take off them being comfortable in, in their rhythm. You know that means a lot in a game that since how Cincinnati likes to play. So you know you can't actually take away everybody on this type of team. You know, like you say, they got a bunch of a bunch of players that are you know ten. I think they lowest guys ten point eight points, and that's the six minute like the six person. Yeah, right. So so it, like it, Chad say, yeah. they are going to get their shots. And the the perimeter is what what I think is interesting to me. The perimeter is you've got you know last. Uh, or, yeah, last night in the Kansas State game, the Bearcats did a hell of a job containing the perimeter, not letting Kansas State get comfortable catching shoots and being able to drive and attack downhill. And so it really, it really forced them out of what they like to do. Now UCLA has some really explosive guards. Obviously, Lonzo Ball is one of them, but they just. I think that the key will probably be to um, to limit their their comfortable three point shots and and try to contain the penetration if you can, because if you let a guard get into the paint, then he can just dish it to Welsh for the 12, 15 footer or over to leaf, you know, in the corner for a three or whatever the case is. So it's like, how do you defend, you know, how would you defend a, a explosive backcourt like that? That's so dangerous from, you know, they all shoot over 40%, but they can also get into the paint and then get easy buckets, um, you know, from 12 feet and in. So it's going to be a tough assignment for, uh, you know, Professor Mick Cronin and his, and his staff of mad scientists in the defensive laboratory. The one thing I, the one thing I don't think you can do on this team is switch everything. Because mm. if you switch everything, they're just going to play the matchup game. And if you've got Gary Clark on Hamilton or Holiday, they're going to take advantage of that. If you get Troy Copain on on Welsh, they're going to or on uh, Leaf, they're going to take advantage of that. Um, I don't know that you can switch everything in this game. I, just because they're so potent and they're so long and athletic, I, they're, and they pass incredibly well, um, I think they pick you apart if you try to play that game with them. I, I just don't see switching everything and allowing them to, to pick their spots. I don't see where that helps in trying to defend them as a unit. Maybe I'm crazy, but it just seems like a bad idea to me. Cash? I agree with you. But my, my thing would be, you know, like we talked about earlier, UFC had played a zone against them and, and they had pretty good luck. So maybe we play more of a matchup zone. Yeah, I mean, USC played more of the a standard zone. Um, the matchup, the only thing I worry about the matchup is it can be overloaded pretty easy on that, you know, on the baseline. And they move the ball so quickly. <laughs> I worry about them moving that defense and then bang Alfred, you know, baseline runner into the corner and, and having wide open looks from the from the from the wing and I I'm I'm not a huge fan of that. This team averages over twenty assists a game. Yeah, they, get well, they, they get a lot well. of field goals. They make a lot of shots. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, they make a lot of shots, but usually when you think of a team that's got as much talent as this team does, there's a lot of isolation. And this is Golden State-style basketball. And a lot of that is because they've got Lonzo Ball at the head of the snake, that, that he's got 257 assists on the season. Yeah, led the nation. Think, think about this. Think about this. He's got 257 assists on the season. Troy Copain has had a great Cincinnati career, phenomenal. He just broke the all-time assist record with 512. Yeah, so he's halfway to that. <laughs> In one year. Yeah, that's that's impressive. He's he's got some weapons though. Troy hasn't had quite the no. weapons. <laughs> Troy wouldn't have two hundred and fifty seven assists in a year though. You're right. No, I'm not disputing that, but I mean Ball's got a few more weapons than Troy's had over his years. Just no offense to any of the players for UC. So man, I mean defending them is gonna be incredibly hard. So fascinating though. God, I can't wait to yeah. see what Mick does. Aaron Holiday's got 149 assists on the season, and that's their number two guy. That's a guy Cash is scared of, right, Cash? Holiday? Cashmere, you there? Oh, I was talking. What's the kid from UCF? Uh, BJ Taylor. Yep, he reminds me of him. And, you know, I look at it as, you know, the matchup game. Who, you know, do we want Troy chasing around Alfred or will we put Troy on on holiday, which is just like the matchup we had at UCF, which was not good for us. And they've got two guys. I mean, Isaac Hamilton is kind of similar as well. Hamilton at 14.1 points a game is the starter. And then holiday at 12.7 points a game off the bench um, as their fourth guard. And Holiday is much more of a shooter. He shoots forty-one, about forty-two percent from three and eighty percent from the free throw line. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. You know, you look at one of those guards that has those, you know, good three-point percentage, because that means you have to actually guard him. You can't just sit, you know, play that game with him. But he's going to attack. You know, when people when guards are making shots and he's fast and he makes good, you know, contested shots. Yeah, that yeah, he's a problem. Holiday is definitely a problem. Hamilton can get buckets too. He does it a little differently. He he loves that runner. He's really good with that floater runner shot. That's a hard shot, and he he makes it look. It's like routine for him. Hamilton. He's not the shooter like you said, but he's put up thirty points in a game in a season this year. So is Holiday. I mean, so is Leaf. So is I mean, like I'm looking at these these game logs, and you're just seeing twenties and thirties and nineteens and. Just all over all of them. Alford had 37 in a game. I mean, they. We, when you when you, you score where nine, when, from. when you when you average 90 a game, there's a yeah. lot of dudes getting buckets. <laughs> no kidding. So it's, it, <laughs> again, it's just this is this is this. Look, 11 years of of Mick and Larry Davis together, you know, with these defensive schemes. It's like this is like their I, I call it kind of like their capstone course, like you have at the end of college, like. This is the this is this is it. Can they slow down a team average of ninety a game with all this talent? And I, I just I can't wait to see what they do, what the game plan is going to be. I mean, Dan Hort said it well. In many years of prepping for broadcasts, I have never seen a team with better offensive stats than UCLA. Mm-hmm. He's done a lot of games. He's yeah, done yeah. a lot of Bearcat games over the years, and he's right. I mean, they're you know you look just let's just look at three point percentage. Of their regulars that, that shoot, 
the lowest is 35.4%. And then you go 414, 41.9, 43.6, and 46.4. As a team, they shoot 40.7% 40, 40. from three. That's how, you, that's, that's how you score 90 points a game. Who would even who would even be close to that? That Cincinnati's played in the last eleven years. That, that like a, as far as a really high powered offense like that. I mean, Cash, can you think of anybody? You guys, Notre Dame when they were really good. Remember they they would compare Mizzou like that. Uh, oh, that'd be hard. I mean, Notre Dame's had some teams where they were really hard to stop, uh, but I don't think. I mean, they didn't have like type of player like a like Alonzo Ball or anything, but. I don't know. I mean, right. this seems like this. Like, what I'm saying, like, this is like the, like all those years of <laughs> working on this stuff. Like, let's see what they come up with for this. I can't wait to see. Right. And the adjustments in game will be fascinating too. I mean, you know, if they start figuring something out, what's Plan B? What's Plan C? Yeah, because they're gonna they're gonna get little spurts. They're gonna get little runs. I mean, it's it's inevitable. You cannot stop them for 40 minutes. It's not going to happen. Nobody's done it all year. They haven't scored. Uh, Berg, I don't know if you have the thing in front of you. What, 76, I think, is their lowest point total on the year? Yeah, they. I don't think they've been held below 70 all season that I saw. No. And I think it's like 76. mid-70s. 76, mid 76, it's, not like, yeah. it's not like 70, 71 a bunch of times. They got like 76 twice, a couple more in the 70s, and then everything else is in the 80s and 90s. But let me ask you this, you know, you were talking about the tempo, right? So this Bearcat team, I mean, it's not really the quickest, fastest team that, that, that Cincinnati's had, athletic, all that stuff. So, I mean, maybe they, maybe the, the move is to go slow, to make it slow and make them think in the half court as much as you can. I know it's not easy to do, but I don't know that, that the team overall quickness that Cincinnati has would be able to really – stop enough penetration, especially in, like, you know, when there's the tempos up and they're, you're not set in that position with the five guys back. So I don't know. I mean, how do you, UCLA seems like they have the advantage in that category to me. My only thing with that would be like, like I said earlier, if, if we try to slow the game down too much and, and, and it's close and, and you play with that type of offensive team and they just go on a small run, you know, yeah. they, they go on a they hit, they hit two shots and go up, you know, six points or eight points, you know, and we have been grinding the game so long. You, you got to realize, like, our players are going to be accustomed to playing that way. So it, it's hard. People think it's easy just to flip the switch and, and and change how you, you know, you game plan on on the fly. You know, that that's a whole game planning thing. You know, you, you can't just go from playing slow to just attacking a team and, and going all over the place playing defense you know it's like when you got to pick and choose what you want to do and I don't think that we want to sit there and hold the ball and play a whole you know 30 seconds or a whole 28 seconds off the clock against this team because we're trying to uh, slow down possessions and they're trying to speed it up so once they actually get these shots and let's say we know we don't we miss a couple of shots and they make it you know that's that's a tough game for us here's here's an interesting thought here's you have to you you have to slow them down as much as possible. But I think the key is in UCLA is not great defensively. You can't just take them off the hook and try to generate offense in the final seven seconds of the shot clock. 
Right. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, you, you cannot just sit there and be like, okay, well, we're going to slow the game down because, you know, they inevitably, what, what we're seeing is, basically, at the end of the day, they're going to get their shots. So, you know, it's going to be hard to do that if we don't score. And that's what happens when we get in those games. We we don't end up – we may end up with, like, 60 points. And yeah. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see 60 points being enough. There's no, right, there's no chance in hell 60 points is enough. Well, it, it, like you said, it's, it's a whole rhythm thing, right? I mean, that's why UC has struggled to score in those those low possession games because they're they not able to get in a rhythm. And with the, the shooting that, that the Bearcats have, they, those are guys that need to be in a little bit of a rhythm to be able to knock down shots. They're not 40-plus percent all over the board, whereas UCLA could probably still hit them even if they're not really in a rhythm. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the answer would be other than just, just – come up with a scouting report to try to get guys for UCLA not taking the exact shots that they love to take and just live with whatever the results are. Yeah, the problem with that is they make tough shots. Like, it's not just a matter of they, you know, the reason their percentages are that high is that because they make tough shots. Like, yes, they hit all of their open shots, but then you take away their open shots and they still make tough shots. So... That's kind of a double-edged sword. I, you know, I, I, I get wanting to, to slow them down as much as possible. I just, I think it's a bad idea on offense to dribble to 12 seconds on the shot clock and then, and then start the offense. You're still probably going to get good looks against their defense doing that. But, right. I mean, you've got to make them at, you know, 62% like they did last night in order to keep the game close. And if you get into a game where it's final four minutes – you know who is more likely to score in those final four minutes? UCLA. So, you know, you, you don't want to be in a position where you've, you've, you've had them in the grinder, but you're down six at the, you know, the, under, the last media stop, and you've got to make up six points right. in four minutes. Because and that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> that's hard. It's, it's a hard makeup to do, you know what I mean? People think it, like, it ain't that easy just to play one style a whole game and then, you know, Expect yourself just just to go on a run versus a, another high powered offensive team. So you know my thing is if we can play how we played against Kansas State and, and just attack you know the best matchups and and play defense the way we know how to play defense, then we'd be okay. We're gonna be good. But if we go back and try to slow the game down and try to you know control you know control the pace too much, you know that that's when the things become you know kind of kind of forced, kind of scary. Because you never, you know, eventually they're going to make some shots, unless it's unless it's like one of them days, and I hope it is, where they're just missing, which can happen. But other than that, we're we going to need to score points. Well, why? Why? Okay, here's a thought. Why um, is there the assumption that if in the last four minutes that that you would, you know, UCLA would definitely be have the advantage because they're the number two offense going up against the number eleven defense. Meanwhile, UC is the number 33 offense going against the number 82 defense. There's a bigger disparity with because they have better UC trying makers. to score against. Well, I'm just saying, though, but, but they have a weaker defense. So, so UC could maybe get better looks. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, maybe, it's, maybe that's why it's so even. Because even though UCLA has got the better offense and all that, but the disparity would be that their defense is way worse you know, compared to UC's offense, and then 
their offense compared to UC's defense. Yeah, I mean, I totally get where you're coming also, from. Factor in the conference. Well, like, is that all that go against who you play? Yeah. Yeah. But it's adjusted for yeah. tempo, and, I mean, it's all, it's all weighted to make it as even as possible. And if you look, the, the Ken Palm predictor on this tournament has been incredible. Like, from here on out, yeah. I might just start filling out my bracket based on what Ken Palm predicts in each game. <laughs> because it's been right on. And for those of you that, that, that worry that this is a bad matchup, Berg, how much does Ken Palm have UCLA favored by? One point. Vegas opened at two and a half. That's amazing. <laughs> and well, everybody thinks you, this is a game that UCLA is going to roll. Yeah, and and you know the um, the average of the RPI and the Ken Palm would have had both Cincinnati and UCLA as a number five seed. So there you go. It's 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 a closer matchup than a lot of people think. And and again, UCLA has not seen this type of team all season. Now UC hasn't seen an offense like UCLA either, but you know maybe it's a toughness game. All right, let's. Uh, I'll start off here. I predicted UCLA on Tuesday or Wednesday when we did the preview show. I'm changing my pick. I'm going with the Bearcats. I really liked what I saw for them on Friday night. I, I thought they looked as good as they have looked all year. I saw a confidence that was back that I have been wanting to see for, for quite some time. And I saw an approach that lends me to believe that they are very much in position mentally to go out and beat UCLA in California in the South region <clears throat> to, uh, to get back to the Sweet 16. I think there are a ton of similarities to the 2012 team. It's a six versus a three. It's a, it's a matchup that appeared even on paper, but everybody thought was going to go one way, and it didn't go that way. Um, Florida State was a trendy pick to go to the Final Four that year because they had won the ACC regular season and the tournament. UCLA is a trendy pick not only to go to the Final Four but to win it all because of their offense. Um, I don't think there has ever been a team, at least in the, the metrics era of the past 15 years or so, that has had a defense in the 70s that has won a title. And I think at some point in time that catches up to them, and I'm going to say it catches up to them in Sacramento on Sunday night. Berg, you picked the Bearcats. I would assume you're sticking with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know me. I'm always going to pick the team that Gary Clark plays for. So I believe he plays for the Red and Black, and so I will uh, see you all in Memphis on Thursday night. It's actually, I was wrong. All the stuff had said Thursday, but it changed. It's Friday. Ooh, okay, I'll see you there Friday then. Even better. Cashmere? You were with me. You picked UCLA on Wednesday. Are you changing? I did. Of course. I mean, you like I say, I've been waiting. Like, I've been waiting. I, I've been seeing this team all summer work hard and, and, and practice this type of style. And to actually see it actually happen, to me, I was just excited as, as knowing these guys, as being like friends with them, just excited to seeing it. And, and I, of course, I think they're going to win now. Because like I've been saying all season, we got – one of the best teams in the country, if we go downhill, actually attack people, 
and not let them attack us first. And that's what happened, you know, that's what happened against Kansas State. This team showed that confidence level that we believe that they should have showed all season, that they're just one of the best teams, and, and teams shouldn't be on the floor with them. And they should go out here uh, to say with the same attitude against UCLA. It's just a different name. Nothing else should change. We should have the same mindset. And with that mindset, we, we, should, be, we should do great out there. All right, so there you have it. All three of us are going with the Bearcats, and we will uh, see everybody on Friday night in Memphis when they take on Wichita State. <laughs> a, a, a future AAC matchup, potentially. That would be fun. Yeah. Maybe, hey, like maybe things break right this time. Kentucky's got a tough one in, in Wichita State. That's a, a top 10 Ken Palm team. That's going to be a tough battle for Kentucky. And then North Carolina and Michigan State's going to be interesting, too. I mean, that – that Michigan State team looked fantastic yesterday against South Carolina. So maybe maybe the, the bracket that we thought was going to be impossible breaks the right way, Cash. Chat. Yes, you got to no. have hope. Hey, I, what I happened in 92? What no, happened in 92? I, I, I don't – you're right. I don't think that that's how it's made for us. I think it's made for us to go the hard way. We posted a beat, beat UCLA, beat Kentucky, beat North Carolina, that's, that's the only way to get it, and people are actually to respect us. That's, that's, what, that's what people don't – they don't respect us right now. They don't respect us as a program, you know. Let me ask you, they how, don't. how and, fun was going doing it the hard way in 2012? It, was, it, meant, it meant so much. Like, like you told me, we were one of the only teams. We lost Ohio State, right? Yeah. In the Sweet 16, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I wouldn't have – like I tell you all the time, we may have lost that game, but that was one of the best games I ever played at. And we lost, but but it was like we got to that point and we wouldn't have had another way. We wanted to play them. Like, we didn't want to play anybody else but them. We were happy to play them, and, and I'm sure – go ahead. If they, if they lost in the round before and you beat somebody to go to the Elite Eight, you wouldn't have given a damn about not playing that Ohio State game. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have. <laughs> of course not. But I'm saying in general, like we, when you look at the bracket and yeah. you know us being competitive as we were, we wanted to play them. We we didn't want to play. We didn't want them to lose. Play them. I mean, I'm just saying, if you'd have played somebody oh, else just, and gone he, to, gone to the Elite Eight, you'd have forgot yeah, all about not playing. Yeah, Ohio but State. He, <laughs> yeah, but that, that's like, that's like I don't know, man. He, uh, I know what you're saying. After, I know you told what you're me, saying. after you told me what you told me, I, I got so much more respect for my team now. You know, we the only Cincinnati Bearcats team to actually beat, you know, a team of a higher seed. Yeah. Right. And that could it could happen again. Tomorrow night would be only the right. second time in 25 seasons. In all these right. tournament runs, and, never beating a seed higher except for that. Yeah. So there you have it. Cash wants to go the hard way. I, I want to play Wichita State. <laughs> Although I, that wouldn't be easy, though. Well, that, that wouldn't be an easy way. way. Wichita State's incredible. That would be a dogfight, whereas Kentucky would be a little bit more open, a little bit more. Right. But uh, yeah, but Kentucky, Kentucky's players are scoutable. They're, they're, a lot of them are one dimensional. We'll talk about that on 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 Tuesday or Wednesday. How's that sound? There you go. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. All right. There's our picks. We're all going Bearcats. The metrics all say UCLA by a small margin. We're going to say the Bearcats get it done and get back on the plane at 2 o'clock in the morning to fly home, headed to the Sweet 16, 
for the first time since 2012. Gentlemen, thank you very much. He's Kashmir Wright, the starting point guard. He's Justin Berg, the backup stretch five. I'm the general manager, Chad Brendel. <laughs> he called the backup stretch five? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what he, he wanted. The backup stretch five, that, man. That's what he wanted to be called, the backup stretch five. He comes off, yeah, he comes off the bench and hits shots, right, Berg? <laughs> And I can bang. I can bang with the uh, the other center. I can keep him out of the paint, use my lower body, you know. And then yeah, I can hit shots and pull him away from the hole. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> we'll see you next time. It's the VCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com. <laughs>